This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu slash podcast. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the graveyard. It's me, the Grave Freaker. And good news, I'm no longer chained to the massive tome of rude tales of magic. Instead, I'm chained to this, uh, this magazine that's released every other week. It's called Gun Aficionado, and there's a story. There's like a, a serial story being told in it. That's the and I. That's what I'm reading to you now. So my backstory is: I was unchained from the big book, and then in the in the intervening two weeks, Branson Reese came by and he chained me to a magazine that is, and it will be updating and, and refreshing. And I said, "Will I at least get paid more?" And he said, "We pay you." So I, I stepped <laughs> in it. That I don't get paid for anything now. Anyway, welcome to Rude Tales of Magic, season three, sort of. Weird times in Piss Harbor. <laughs> All right, thank you, Grave Freaker. <laughs> the most unenthusiastic thanks to yourself. <laughs> yeah, thank, All right, get back to your graveyard, you freak. The year is 484 AA. The town? Piss Harbor. If you're coming by sea, you smell it before you can see it. A sleazy little subtropical town on the west coast of Cordelia, where there's a deal to be made around every corner. But also, death lurks behind every corner. So you really gotta stay on your toes here. Thieves, gangsters, juvenile delinquents, drug lords, and scoundrels of every stripe rub shoulders here. And the cops, <laughs> well, they work for the highest bidder. It's said there are more criminals here than law-abiding citizens, a fact virtually impossible to verify due to the rampant corruption in the local trivia community. It goes all the way to the top. Just another day in Piss Harbor. Somebody's going to emergency, somebody's going to jail. And baby, when the sun goes down in Piss Harbor, the scum comes out to play. And all bets are off. Because baby, here in Piss Harbor, the house always wins. And the dice aren't the only thing that's 
exploded, the drunk drivers are too. But also, the wealthy, who play their little cat and mouse games with all of us low lives and poppers. That's right, you're poor. I assume, <laughs> I assume no rich people listen to rude tales of magic. Honestly, I've seen our numbers. Very few poor people listen either. Please tell your friends about rude tales of magic. I'm begging you. The camera moves now to a cathedral on the south side of town. You don't have to be Catholic to worship here, but it sure does help. Sinners clutch rosaries and pray to Catholic God for forgiveness, but many of them have their fingers crossed. Some are so bold as to pray for help with sinning. The smell of, inc <laughs> the smell of incense fills the air as we see quickly edited shots of Mother Mary's face in stained glass intercut with gargoyles. It seems the editor of this podcast has a real axe to grind with the church. Hey, you tell him, Thelma. Same, honestly. You heard this show? I don't even know what I'm saying half the time, but I know it's anti-church. Tell you that much for free. The camera meanders scorsesily through the incense and Roman candle smoke into a back office where a balding priest with a mustache stands behind a desk. He looks out through a stained glass window before turning around furiously. Who does he see, Allie? Crouched in the shadows is a gargoyle made of the same expensive gray stone as the rest of the gorgeous cathedral. She's covered in carvings like tattoos, marks from the rebellious youth who've made it to the church roof to stargaze and make out. She stands her full four feet tall and steps into the light. <laughs> God damn it, Neil. That was strike one, two, and three. And here in Catholicism, you don't even get the first strike. You killed one of our most valuable donors. Collection plate hasn't been that light since the month in 72 when they accidentally outlawed money. Explain yourself now. I won't be explaining myself to you, church boy. Not today, <gasps> not tomorrow. In fact, I'm out of here. What do you mean you're out of here? You can't just leave the church. Watch me. I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm gone like yesterday's news and other things. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. No, you killed the donor. You've got to answer for that. You don't get to leave. You're fired. That's right. I want to see your rosary, your gun, and your badge on me desk at once. They clatter cooperatively onto his desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Oh, you followed me instructions, but I could tell you were doing it sarcastically. <laughs> That's right. I don't need any of these items. I've been listening to the confessions of evil men from that window, she points to a window, for a thousand years. A thousand years? A thousand years. Saint Perserfus! They don't. <gasps> That's what I've learned. I've learned that preservation only comes for those who do evil things. And now I'll be coming for them too. Neil, you're on a bad path, and I hope you can step off of it. But in my heart of hearts, I know you won't. God and the church turn their back on you. Goodbye, Neil. Hell awaits ya. 
And I turn my... No, get out of me office! Back on you too. And as she does, you see her tiny vanity wings that are also made of stone. And she walks out of the office. She turns back coyly. So sorry. Did you say I'm fired? And she lights a cigarette. And she drops the flame onto the pews. The wooden pews. Oh no, the wooden pews are catching! Oh no! Oh, the flames are getting bigger and bigger! Oh dear, what's happening? Oh no! Oh no, they're catching on the stone! The flammable stone! How could that be? Oh no! Oh, I'm perishing in the fire! Oh, it's mixing with the flames from the Roman candles! Oh dear! Oh, the whole church is going up in smoke! And you walk away, out into the night. I'd say see you in hell, but it looks like you're already there. Ha <laughs> You hear a voice from the shadows as a large figure, still in the shadows, steps forward while not stepping out of the shadows. You can't see who this is. That's my move, being in the shadows. Hey, seems like you'd make a pretty good bounty hunter. Am I right? Bounty hunter, hmm? I'm listening. Well, I'm talking. But the camera has bigger plans for the narrative and leaves. Sorry, Neil. It's just it's just how it is, you know? I, a hapless narrator, have no choice but to say what I see as it ventures across the city to a dive bar called The Slurring Cuckold. Neon signs illuminated by pixie asses flicker seedily as we venture in through the blood-stained door into the dark and bustling dive. Tom of Finland musclemen and punks in leather jackets with mohawks the color of Slimer's cum order snake venom <laughs> and rubbing alcohol shots off the some drink to forget chalkboard menu. The whole place stinks of booze and blood. Somebody pissed a hole into one of the brick walls. That's a strong stream. <laughs> Next to it is graffiti written in bioluminescent blood that reads glory hole slash dick guillotine. Feeling lucky? A shirtless human man in an open, bright yellow leather jacket with a mullet and sunglasses leans back on the bar and downs a shot of demon piss before wiping his mouth. Yeah, they call me Jack Feelings. Jack Feelings the troll hunter. I reckon there's not a troll alive who I didn't orphan. A large troll rises from behind the bar touches his arm tattoo that reads both mother and father and grabs Jack by the legs, picking him up five feet off the ground and ripping him in half like that nun in (laughs) Lucio Fulci's Demonia, which is a spoiler, but they put it on the poster, which you would already know if you were ever going to watch it. So fucking save it before you complain. The troll bellows. Oh, baby, my blood is up. I'll buy a round for anybody stupid enough to challenge me to an arm wrestling match. All you gotta do is keep your arm. I wouldn't mind a little something to wet my pan flute. Towering over the sea of drunks, a sun-leathered muscle man flashes an ivory grimace tucked under shield frame shades and broad biker mutton chops. His thick neck supports a teased-out pound of bone-bleached mane crowned by a wreath of neon chroma flowers. 
more blossom in clusters from the ivy that snakes around the spikes of his black iron armor, of which there is actually very little, giving you ample opportunity to study every detail of the bulbous cut muscle that threatens to burst through his tomato right He steps forward with a clop. The crowd parts, revealing the equine bottom of a centaur. It's the original big bad pony man, Jonathan Large. The troll looks you up and down. Jonathan Large! Your reputation precedes you! Well then, you wanna buy me a drink now? Or do you wanna lose an arm in your bar tab? <laughs> More like you're going to lose an arm. Let's begin. He slams an elbow down on a nearby table, breaking it. Oh, I gotta go to a stone table. He slams it down on the stone pink table, almost breaking it. That's how strong this troll is. <laughs> Jonathan Large delicately places his elbow onto the table when it is ready. He's not here to break tables. He's here to get one free drink. They grasp hands, uh, uh, predator shot referencingly, and you see these <laughs> men are extremely, they're extremely muscular. Uh, he begins moving his arm. He's, he's trying to beat you in this arm wrestling match. Chris, can I have you make a strength roll? I would love to make a strength roll. I rolled an unnatural 20. Oh, holy shit. You rolled an artificial 20? I, yes, I rolled a 16 plus a 4. Fuck! That's a strong guy. Jonathan Large is a strong man. The troll realizes you see beads of sweat forming on his forehead. And the beads of sweat for this man, that's a gallon of sweat each bead. That's how big this troll is. Massive, massive man. He's trying to arm wrestle. He's, he's pushing, he's pushing. But Jonathan Large, you're overpowering. I don't want to pay for my next drink. You hear Samus popping and popping as his, his muscles are breaking. You hear the bone snap as you slam his arm to the ground. You are the winner of the arm wrestling match. Oh. Take this moment and reflect, my friend. Turn back to nature. Surrender to life. You don't have to live this way in this den of stink and filth and booze. The troll looks up to, at you with tears in his eyes. He looks down at his broken arm and up at you. He says, Jonathan Large, not only are you a strong man, but you are a good man. You have my respect. And you have the next round. But as he says that, you hear a, a, a little voice coming from the base of your skull. And you remember the little bit of fairy brain that you had surgically added to the base of your skull, you hear it tingling as a voice in your head says, Jonathan Large! Jonathan Large, come in! We got a bounty with your name on it. This is Large here, in charge and killing Marge. If uh, that last guy was... Uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, come, come to Bounty Hunter headquarters ASAP. If you're taking a drink, I need you to down that in one gulp and get over here. <laughs> one gulp. That would be pretty cool. 
but I'm on the job. And he uh, he places the uh, the completely full 24 ounce beverage right back on the bar and gets out of there. Wow, what a guy! And from there, the camera leaves the bar with him. But instead of following him, it takes us now into a dark alley full of flaming trash cans and piles of bones. Yuck. Nothing good happens in an alley like this. Two rats, 69ing each other, tumble across the alley like a tumblebee as a large German expressionist shadow forms. A monster? No. Idiot? Jesus, be patient. I'm building a mood here. You fucking yokel. A monster? That's you. No. Not only is it not a monster, it's just a little old lady. Shadows have a way of playing tricks like that, which you'd know if you were more patient. This little old lady looks lost. She was trying to take a shortcut. Through an alley? Yes. She clutches her purse and hurries through the alley before stopping and looking at another massive shadow. This one belongs to a human. A human criminal dressed in black and white horizontal stripes with a black eye mask and a black beanie. Yes, he does have five o'clock shadow. He pulls a switchblade on the little old lady and laughs. Well, 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 what do we have here? Little old lady lost away? Well, you gotta pay the alley toll. The alley toll? Shut up! Hand over your purse and I'll kill you nice and quick. Real painless like. Scream and I'll kill you real slow. He licks the knife. Ow! Jesus! That's gonna hurt so bad when I eat candy. (laughs) Just then, there's a rustling from one of the trash cans that isn't on fire. Carly, what exactly do we see removing from the trash can? Branson, we watch his two pointed ears and a pair of sickly yellow eyes appear under the trash can's lid. They are attached to a face, which growls emphysemically at the human criminal. (laughs) It rocks the trash can back and forth, clearly caught on something, before knocking the whole thing over and spilling out. This is either a skinny dog or a stupid-looking coyote, but it doesn't matter which. What matters is that this dog is carrying an enormous sword in its mouth. The sword is long, broad, and curved at the tip like a lick of flame. There's a large eyeball where the guard meets the blade, pink and red like a white rabbit's. It rolls around in its socket before fixing suddenly on the robber and his prey. Impossibly, you hear a voice. Drop the bag, you fink! (gasps) The, The criminal looks back and forth and goes, I'm sure I'm just hearing things. I'll make quick work of this little old lady and this weird coyote slash dog that's holding a massive weapon. I'm still in charge here. And he turns the switchblade on you and he begins approaching. He turns back to the old lady and says, don't move. You wait there though. She, She obeys. Are you actually trying to challenge me with that dinky thing? You are funny. And the dog is going to- (laughs) <laughs> and then the dog is going to charge this guy. And with an upward motion, almost like a Shoryuken, tr- slice him in half. <gasps> Could you make an attack roll on this man? I sure can. Okay, that was that was a natural 20. You slice, you slice, and you slash this man in one clean slash. Unfortunately, Carly nothing happens. 
The man laughs boastfully. He says, nothing happened to me whatsoever. And a, a white line forms diagonally going from the man's <laughs> hip to his shoulder. And the top half of him begins sliding down. He goes, no, no, my bottom <laughs> diagonal. I needed that for being alive. And he dies. <laughs> the little old lady looks at you and says, my hero, thank you so much for rescuing me, weird dog. Beat it, bitch. I'm taking this bag. What? <laughs> why, why, I, I have half a mind. Oh, oh, bother. And she turns and she hightails it out of the alley. I'm swearing off alleys forever. Who's a good boy? Who's a sweet little boy? And the dog is wagging its tail. And we realize if there was ever any question that we're hearing the voice of the sword. Her name is the Edge of Madness, but you can call her Edgica. The dog dutifully trots over and l- tries to wiggle its snout, still clutching the sword under the shoulder straps of the bag. No, you have to put me down first. Yeah, the dog's just like wagging its tail. It's so excited. <laughs> put me down. Put me down first on the ground. No, don't get. Don't look for candy. Just grab the bag. Now that it's heard candy, the dog is just, like, looking for candy all over. <laughs> Go back to the bag. The dog goes back to the bag, places Edgica down right next to the purse, and then starts nosing through the purse. Branson, what does he find? 100% pure cocaine. <gasps> is it just loose in there? It's just, it's packed it's to the brim. It's full of cocaine. <laughs> this little old lady wasn't so innocent after all. She was looking to get ex- uh, de- lethally high. <laughs> um, the dog turns to Edgica with uh, white all over its snoot. And she's like, oh, boy, you're going to be a real trip today, aren't you? Yeah, the dog's just like running in circles and running in circles and like pitching uh, its app to you and just like running in circles over and over and over being like, we should do a web series uh, just like over and over and over again. Uh, and it's, it's getting really tedious, you know, um, and as you hear a voice, uh, you now this is coming from the dog skull, but you are you are linked to this dog and you hear mm-hmm. this voice uh, say, Edgica, we got a big score. You're needed at, at Bounty Hunter headquarters. Okay, do you want some cocaine? Uh, uh sure. All right, uh, we'll see what we can do. Edgica kind of like vibrates on the floor and it sounds a little bit like a, a tuning fork has been struck um, and that alerts the dog to come back and fetch her. And the cocaine. The dog grabs you and the cocaine and takes off. The camera has had enough of this, however, and takes us across town (laughs) to historic Piss Harbor, where the buildings are especially flammable. Historic Piss Harbor is organized around one wide main street paved with dirt. Saloons and general stores shutter their windows as two figures step out into the street. It's midnight, or as they call it here in historic Piss Harbor, low noon. Cowards gulp and jump into barrels, poking a single eye out of the barrel holes and looking back and forth. 
Like four different guys do this. It's insane. <laughs> Beautiful ladies with their hair done up in the most out-of-date styles look down on the main street from second-story balconies before averting their eyes and covering their faces with huge fans. We see one of the figures as he steps out into the light. This is El Chupacabra, a thin tarantula man dressed all in black with an ominous black hat and an enormous brown Yosemite Sam mustache. He flexes his, like, 80 fingers as his gun catches the light. That's right, there's guns now. For anybody checking in with the new campaign, like, oh, did Branson ever learn D&D? No. In fact, <laughs> it's somehow gotten way worse. I've given them guns in a campaign set in the past. Will I ever explain the discrepancy? Fuck no. My energy isn't changing. Get on board. <laughs> the tarantula man smiles and a gold tooth glimmers in the light. He blows a kiss to one of the women on the balcony, but she gives a hmph and looks away. He shrugs before turning to the other figure. Tell me, Tim, who does he see? He sees Tommy Whistle, a frog man, skinny as a prince, and the classic cowboy garb that you might remember from that character from Dracula who isn't put in all the adaptations because, yeah, there was a cowboy in Dracula. He's as lonely as a cactus who turned off all the sand around him via his personality, and he uh, and his uh, froggy fingers uh, uh, his froggy fingers uh, rattle over his cowboy gun in his holster. El Chupacabra looks you up and down, and in a voice obviously dubbed, he says, <laughs> Well, Tommy Whistle, it seems that you and I are at an impasse. Prepare to die, my friend. <laughs> El Chupacabra, is there nothing we can say to make you turn around? I don't want to have to do this. He bows his cowboy hat, especially with children all around. Uh, there are children in the street hitting wooden hoops with sticks uh you see uh, there's a, a child with like a an el chupacabra shirt uh just like a big t-shirt and he's selling it to other kids it's like a, a, a rip off el chupacabra shirt these kids don't want to see anyone die especially by a cowboy's hand and i believe in the power of the cowboy to inspire the children it's one of the things i believe more than anything in the world <laughs> El Chupacabra spits into a spittoon, exploding it. He looks you up and down, and he says, No, my old rival, the time for talking is over. You and I are at an impasse. One of us is going to die here today, haha. <laughs> well, I can't believe that's something you find funny, but everyone's got a different sense of humor I've learned on these roads. When I've cowboyed all around the, this piss harbor, I've learned that humor styles vary as the petals of flowers. No, the time for talk is done and the time for action has begun. Now we need to stand back to back and walk 10 paces. Once we've walked 10 paces, we'll turn around and fire at each other. Whoever <laughs> fires first gives up their shot. That is it. Then the second one is allowed to go. That is how a duel works. Branson, sorry, I just have to push in and ask, like, how much mouth movement is happening? Very little. Yeah, 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 okay, great. You're just seeing the mustache just sort of like moving up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the animators thank you. <laughs> Tommy Whistle turns around and walks backwards. It's like moonwalk. It's like a uh, when you first see a kid who learned how to moonwalk, and it's like clear that he got it in his bedroom, but he um, uh, isn't getting it right in front of you. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> different out on the street. 
um, until he feels the back of El Chupacabra. His hands grip the air around his pistol. His back straightens up. Uh, his, his cowboy hat dips right over his eyes. A large uh, a vulture bird man, dressed like a mortician, he measures you. Uh, he gets your full height. He's measuring you for a coffin. <laughs> he says to both of you, walk ten paces, then turn and fire. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And on seven... You feel uh, you feel a breeze as you're you hear a gunshot, and your white hat is knocked forward. Following the momentum of the falling hat, Tommy Whistle uh, catches the hat, puts it back on his head, and spins around his revolver in hand. He fires, and then you you see like a pinball, the bullet bounce off one eye, ding, the other eye, ding, the other eye, ding, the other eye, ding, 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 until uh, seven out of his eight eyes are, have a huge have a huge X on it. Tommy Whistle goes, <laughs> seven out of eight, just shy of an A+. He opens his mouth even <laughs> wider as his tongue falls into his hand, uh, wrapped, uh, uh, wrapped like uh, a cable from a, in a from a music producer. It's his lasso. He swings it around and and throws it, pulling the partially blind El Chupacabra to the dirt. Oh no! But I thought I would win because I cheated. <laughs> Don't you see? Cheating won't get you nowhere out here in Piss Harbor, and that's because everybody cheats. And so, because if you cheat and everyone cheats, that means there is no real cheating. Which is something I've said to myself many a time. So I try to stick out and do the one thing that cheaters don't believe in. Following the rules. El Chupacabra gives you, with his one remaining eye, it's soon to be seven eye patches on his head. With his one (laughs) remaining eye, he gives you a, a stink eye. And he says, Tommy Whistle, you've made a powerful enemy on this day. The man who shoots El Chupacabra and leaves him alive understands nothing of El Chupacabra. One day I will come for you. You have made a powerful rival of me. I will be the one who kills you one day. But as of today, you have won. Congratulations. (laughs) Tommy Whistle bows his head, respectful of the threat. He then throws one of his legs over a roadrunner the size of an ostrich. Come on, hon. Let's go home. The road, the road runner, it, uh, it, it bats its foot like a, a horse on the ground uh, and it gets ready to run. But before it runs at dizzying speeds, you hear a voice in the back of your head. Tommy Whistle, Tommy Whistle, come in. I miss Moonlight, ma'am. At your service. Tommy Whistle, we've got a big bounty with your name on it. Come to the Bounty Hunter headquarters ASAP, unless you're busy. I ain't busy. I'm never busy. I'm the most lonesome man in the world. <laughs> he starts clopping away. My rifle pony and me. My rifle pony and me. Our camera pulls away. It's frankly sick of seeing the various labored genre pastiches of urban squalor at this point, And it decides to take us now to see how the other half live. We glide across the water, seeing the reflection of the lights before tilting up to see the real thing. Folks, this is the glitzy Piss Harbor waterfront. This is where the movers and shakers of Piss Harbor make their sleazy deals. 
a man in a completely white suit with an open black dress shirt revealing a perfect Greek amount of chest hair sits on a glass balcony playing glass chess by himself symbolically. It symbolizes how little he thinks of the people down below him. But also, he's suffering from cocaine mania, which is why he's playing chess by himself. The camera moves past him to a luxury apartment building flanked by preposterously tall palm trees. Pixie asses on the roof of the building aim out into the night like searchlights. This is the two seasons, because baby, it's always spring and summer here. There's even a Johnny Rockets on the ground level. Wow. We zoom in. We zoom into a penthouse suite, smashing the window with our camera. Oops. Luckily, the characters in the scene never break or even mention the glass everywhere. And we can use this take. What pros? The entire apartment seems to be designed and decorated by somebody who was told they'll get the electric chair if they don't evoke Miami. Glass, brick half walls, and art deco lighting fixtures with large tropical plants. A white couch on a seafoam green carpet with a glass coffee table. We see a beautiful elf woman with a platinum blonde perm emerging from the bathroom in a pastel pink robe. She smokes a postcoital cigarette, walks past the jewel-toned clamshell bed, and looks out over the water. Oh, Moose, we have to stop doing this. I'm the beautiful but emotionally neglected wife of a large crime boss, and you're just a rakish con man with a heart of gold. It, it'll never work. Joe, who is she talking to? Branson, tall, dark, and handsome called, and they're pissed because it seems short is in season. <laughs> three feet tall and three feet wide. The... <laughs> is he three feet deep? Yeah. <laughs> A cubish cube. <laughs> An amazing cube. The man known The man known only as Moose fills each of his 37 and a half inches with charm. He's got red hair slicked all the way back, and a crisp red dwarven beard slicked all the way down. Right now he's wearing a purple smoking jacket. But Moose wears a lot of hats and a lot of clothes. He's a bit of a con man, you see, but not to you. He'd never lie to you. He looks up at that beautiful elf woman and he says, But baby, we love having sex. <laughs> I know. It's our main point of connection. It's really what we bond over. But And she, she fiddles with her, uh, her wedding ring. She goes, It's just my husband. He's a powerful and dangerous man. And I'm just worried about what's going to happen if he catches us. You don't think I'd protect you? I, I mean, I... It's not that. I think you'd try. It's just I think my husband uh-huh. would kill you. He'd have you killed. No, no. no. Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, no. I, oh, it's, it's happened before. Baby, I've... I've been... I've been through a few scrapes in my day. I know you see the softer side of old Moose, but old Moose knows how to handle himself. I'm just saying, you know, I, I, you're not the first rake I've been with. You know, like, I cheat on my husband all the time. It's a loveless marriage. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We don't connect, yeah. you know? It's a, that, and he's killed them every time he's caught them. I'm just worried for you. And you're definitely not leaving him. <laughs> no. The, the power, the wealth. I love yeah, him. Yeah, no, I, get, I mean, the great place. It's seductive, right? Yes, yes. Oh, baby. I don't know. Sometimes I can't get enough of what 
isn't good for me. You know what I mean? I know the feeling. I know it all too well. And as she says that, the front door, you hear a creak as the front door begins to open. Oh no! My husband! The crime boss, Terry Surgery! <laughs> <laughs> Quick, baby, out of my arms! <laughs> she leaps from your arms and uh, like Princess Peach, like her, her gown just like catches the air and she floats down gently. Hide, hide! No, you don't get it, baby. What's your name again? Oh, my name. Oh, wow. Well. My name, well, my name is Rebecca Yesterday. That's right. I kept my own name. How silly of me to have forgotten. Becky, don't worry. I, I'm not one to hide. I just, I do what I can. And Moose is going to grab some, like, bed sheets that have been tossed aside on the floor. Um, and he's going to, he's going to grab them and he's going to sort of like, with, with incredible speed, dizzying speed even, he sort of like wraps them up around himself and fashions them into a sort of, uh, chef's jacket. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. And he stands there uh, proudly. The door is almost halfway open now. <laughs> and you see a large, a large man with, uh, with multiple rings on his finger. He's completely, ta he's artificially tanned uh, and he wears dark sunglasses, even though it's nighttime. He has a receding hairline and he smokes a stogie, even though he's indoors. He walks in and he says, <gasps> what is going on here? My name is Terry Surgery, the crime boss. <laughs> Mr. Surgery, I've heard so much about you. I'm a chef who's been preparing a dish for your Wife. In our apartment? In the middle of the night? Hey, you've never enjoyed a midnight snack? No, I have, but it just, you, I would have thought I would have hired you or, or something. You would be on my payroll. I've never heard of you. It's the middle of the night. I'd, it smells like sex in here, I gotta say. <laughs> Terry, can I call you Terry? No. Terry, Terry. <laughs> I, this was a bit of an audition. Can you make a disguise roll for me? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a four. Okay, so I knew. Okay, so I knew there were some bad rolls yeah. out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He <laughs> looks you up and down. <laughs> they, they have to exist, right? <laughs> he looks you up and down. He says, "Wait a second. And he looks at the bed, and he looks back at you, and he says. Chefs don't wear bed sheets. <laughs> and he grabs the sheets and he pulls it off of you and he says, <gasps> Moose? <laughs> and Moose like holds his hands up to his face and like rubs his eyes and he goes, Terry? <laughs> what the hell? Give me one good what reason. The, what the hell? What the hell yourself? It's been ages. I know. I, I agree. It's been a I thought I had you killed. How are you? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, bad. I'm bad. I just walked in on, a, on an affair, an obvious affair, and you tried to lie about it. Oh, relationships are such a pain. I know how it is, my man. Tell you what, why don't you have a drink? <laughs> Fair's fair. Why don't we both have a drink before I kill you? <laughs> well, let's focus on that first part, the drink. And he goes and, and he pours and three no, drinks. Actually, Moose oh, goes over. Moose okay, very okay, confidently yeah. goes over. He knows this liquor cabinet extremely well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he quickly fixes uh, three old fashions. Ah, three old fashions. 
You know, I'm a bit of an old-fashioned man myself. When I find someone having an affair with my wife, I kill him. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of the old days. Terry, don't you remember all those crazy times we had down on the docks? How could I forget? We went up through conman school together. We were best friends until I became a crime boss and you became a rakish conman with a heart of gold. (laughs) And now here we are after all these years, reconnecting. Say you're right. It has been a long time. (laughs) Sometimes I wish those days would... I don't know, I miss them. I've got all the power in the world, but what has it brought me? A wife who doesn't love me. Oh, but she likes the power, I imagine. Oh, she loves that. No, we we communicate very well about why she's here and why she stays. She nods. (laughs) (laughs) Look, she has her affairs. That's her business. It's my business to kill the guy when I catch him. That's just how we do it. So what are you doing here drinking? You gotta go catch him. (laughs) What do you mean? Why, that's what I'm trying to tell you, Terry. That's why I was sitting you down to have this drink. You're right. I walked in here, and yes, there was an affair going on. And and the the other man, why, he bolted. And he he takes the shirt. Most of the old-fashioned is gone at this point. And he he rubs his eyes, and he goes, Oh, where did he go? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. He was kind of a, uh, and, and Moose is just searching. Moose is searching for any details he can. And he says, I think he was some kind of frogman. 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 All right. Good. Good to know. Good to know. He puts a hand on your shoulder. He goes, thank you, Moose. You might have saved the marriage tonight. <laughs> Terry, for you, for an old buddy, anytime. He nods and he snaps. And uh, uh, two of his goons walk in through the closet <laughs> <laughs> they had been hiding in the closet the entire time. <laughs> Two large uh, goons walk in and he whispers to them, Frogman, kill on sight. They nod and they leave. He turns back to you and he goes, can I interest you in another drink? But as he does, you hear a voice in the back of your head. Moose, Moose, oh. come in. Uh, uh, <clears throat> yes. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little busy right now. We got a huge score. Oh, uh, Oh, you're busy? No, 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 it's fine. I'll, I'll take it. I'll... It's just a really lucrative score. Just give me one second. Okay. Um, uh, Moose looks up at Terry and Rebecca and sort of like puts up a finger. Just, oh, just just one second. And then he just looks down very seriously. <laughs> and and just, his eyes are moving rapidly, but not making any eye contact. Big score. Oh, yeah, big, big one. I mean, if you're busy, you don't have to take it. No, no, I'm in. I could use the cash. Oh, fantastic. All right, meet me at Bounty Hunter headquarters. Great, okay. Uh, listen, friends, it's been so great to catch up. We should do, we should get together more often. Uh, you can see they're already deep in conversation and, uh, she's, she's pointing out a book to, uh, to Terry and he's looking at it and he's not, he's looking at the the book. She comes first and he's nodding, uh, just like <laughs> with, with like understanding now you really looks like you might've fixed this marriage. Uh, and they, they sort of wave you out. Well, Moose, it happened again. You hope. <laughs> The old nut, and he walks out proudly, (laughs) (laughs) practically naked. (laughs) And out he walks, but we don't follow him. I mean, we sort of do, but really what we do is we cut now to the Moonlight Value Bounties headquarters. A location so secret and so stupidly named that not even our famously tight-lipped listeners can know where it is. Sorry. You all find yourselves in a large room that looks somewhere between an AA meeting room and a cafeteria that God forgot. 
which is to say it looks exactly like an AA meeting room. <laughs> you sit on an uncomfortable plastic and metal school chair. Or multiple school chairs. All of you sit on individual school chairs. For those of you who drink coffee, you nurse room temperature coffees in paper cups that brag about how delighted they are to serve you on the, the sides of them. Fluorescent pixie asses flicker. An enormous half-elf, half-orc, all-woman with feathered black hair walks out. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hello, bounty hunters. Most of you already know me. But for one of you and the audience at home, my name is Maybelline Moonlight. I'm your bounty hunter commissioner. The rules are simple. I give you a target. You bounty hunt them, and then you bring them to me to collect your bounty, minus my 10% commission. Any questions? Good. <laughs> she clicks on the head of a visually wired Kenku and a painting of a human man dressed in outrageous party attire appears on the wall. He has close-cropped bleached hair, large Bono-style sunglasses, and wears a mesh t-shirt under an open Hawaiian shirt with bright pink camouflage parachute pants, the kind one might wear if they needed to disguise their lower body in a pile of murdered flamingos. <laughs> Your bounty is a human man known as Gunter von Hamstring, a.k.a. Daddy's Boy. He's wanted in 12 of Cordelia's biggest cities for crimes which include art theft, armed robbery, and horse torture. <laughs> he uses a particular strategy to endear himself to crime bosses, drug kingpins, and political movers and shakers. He poses as their son, returning home to make amends. Due to the emotionally distant home life of most powerful people, this plot has a very high success rate. Simply put, the powerful can't be 100% sure they don't have a wayward son. Daddy's boy was last seen around Piss Harbor Waterfront. His bounty is set as 400,000 gold, which is pretty good. I negotiated <laughs> that up from 330,000, by the way. So don't come for me when my 10% commission comes into play. I already earned my cut. We work for each other, okay? Okay, good luck, bounty hunters. Maybelline, you know I don't like to hunt other criminals. I know, I know. But that's usually the only people who are ever up for bounty. So that's sort of the whole job, you know? I don't know. Sometimes I like to catch a citizen, you know? Sure, sure. And in one of the episodes where there's a high bounty on a citizen, you can go after them. But for this introductory episode, you're going after a real middle of the road, just like this is how it works kind of guy. Oh, Mabel, you always know just what to say. Kind of like me, I suppose. Yeah, you got a real silver tongue. Anyways. Neil steps out of the shadow. <gasps> oh! What, no introductions? Oh, sorry, Neil. What, what the hell is this? What the hell is this? Oh, no, no, everyone, everyone, calm down, calm down. I'm Most calm. of them already know each other. Uh, oh, folks, this is the newest bounty hunter to join the force. This is, well, why don't you just introduce yourself? My name's Neil. Like... Neil Tagat. What is it? Neil? Neil? Like Jenny Franco? Well, you what should know. It? It's your name. You should know the pun of your name. Neil, do you want to step back into the shadows and figure your thing out and then step back out? Yeah, she steps She steps back in the shadow scowling. Okay, I want everyone to remember. Remember their first day. Remember how nervous they were. 
Maybelline, can I pull you for a second? Yeah, yeah. And Moose takes Maybelline over to an opposite corner and he says, Maybelline. Hey, Moose. You know, you know how I feel about statues. Oh, I, d- I should know that because we're ex-flames. But that's all in the past now. We haven't been together in what, weeks? Weeks. Sure, sometimes we'll get drunk and hook up, but we're not officially an item anymore. No, it's just kind of like, it happens. Oh, it's a thing, and we're cool. We're adults. We're adults. But no, I forgot all about your your fear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, you got this person's really got the goods. I think if you give them a chance, they can prove themselves. Maybelline, I'll do it for you. But only because of our complicated and long-standing relationship. Hey, thanks. My name's Neil. Like Neil before God. (laughs) Wow. That's right. I'm joining your party, and I'm going to be an asset. So, welcome me. Nice to have you on board. I suggest the first thing we do is go on down to the docks, where daddy's boy was last seen. Tommy uh, lifts one leg and uh, swings it over on top of his roadrunner hunt. It's okay, girl. It's okay. Her name's Hun. Short for hundred. Hun. uh, (laughs) Represent all the many people I hope to one day meet. You'll get there someday, Tommy. Uh, And Tommy, uh, you should know I've heard word on the street that Terry's surgery is out there looking for a frogman. You might want to watch your back. Terry's surgery? I know him. He doesn't know me, but I know his sins. Oh, yeah? Are you telling me the crime lord confesses regularly? And he's forgiven. Regularly. Well, that's messed up. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ms. Maybelline Moonlight steps for it. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the clock. You know you're not the only bounty hunters in town, right? The Suck Brothers are all over this. <gasps> the oh, Suck let's Brothers. Let's go. Let's go. The, 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 I'll meet you all there. Fast. Tommy Whistle uh, rears back Hun, but then and then rears forward, and Hun's uh, Hun's legs start spinning, spinning, spinning. And then Hun leans forward, and so it sort of mimics the look of a motorcycle. And then Tommy pulls down his 10-gallon hat and uh, slides open a screen, a black screen. And And right as you go, you freeze. There's a freeze frame, and we see uh, text underneath Hun that says, Hun. And then in Latin, short for 100. Uh, And there's text next to you that says, Tommy Whistle. And in Latin, uh, uh, it says uh, uh, hunted frog. (laughs) And then you keep going. (laughs) Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
Just as one might walk off the E.T. ride directly into its gift shop, you too can celebrate the end of the class dismissed arc of Rude Tales of Magic with some fresh threads. Take a look at rudetalesofmagic.com store. There's the all-new Hell Rules hoodie with the whimsical ghosts of our hell-cursed cast. Let everyone know you're a wife, guy, or gal with the multi-lubined visage of our wolf orb shirt. And they may have laughed when you said you wanted to ride the movies in hell, but everyone will respect your tearful goblin tote bag. Please, my words fail the incredible designs by Carly Minardo and Branson Reese. Go see for yourself at rudetalesofmagic.com slash store. Before you can say cab fare, our heroes have made it to the Piss Harbor docks. Ah, the docks. The smell of stale salt water and dead fish is overwhelming. P.U., it stinks. But don't blame me. Blame the season two of The Wire superfans who flooded our pick-a-location poll. Democracy, baby. It sucks ass. Branson, uh, News is gonna is gonna just do like a quick scan of the dock, see if anything seems unusual. He's spent a lot of time down here. He knows the city inside and out. Yeah, so you're looking around. Um, it looks pretty. You know, you're down. You've been to the waterfront before. This is the docks part of it, though. This isn't quite the like the where the glamorous are. This is more mm-hmm. where uh, where a lot of trade occurs. But you've been here for sure. Um, it look everything looks pretty normal. One thing though, you do see a human man moving crates. He's just sort of whistling to himself in a way a, a DM is unable to. Um, uh, not all mouths are shaped for a whistle. Or I just don't know how to do it. But he's whistling to himself. Uh, it's a mouth-shaped thing, maybe. It's not a skill issue. Um, it's he's, he's whistling to himself and he's moving crates. Uh, Moose is going to cross over to the guy moving crates. And as he walks over confidently, Moose sees a freshly dead orc. Uh, sailor, and he grabs a pea coat and a and a little pipe off him, and throws him on. <laughs> They're huge on you. It's just like yeah. trailing. It's like a king's robe. He rolls up the sleeves. <laughs> he walks over to the crateman and says, "Ahoy!" The crateman turns around and says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Who are you?" <laughs> the name's uh, Seahorse Sammy. Could you make a disguise roll for me? 16. 16. He looks you up and down. He goes, Seahorse, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but you got to get a smaller coat. (laughs) (laughs) The pipe is the exact right size, though. I keep thinking it's going to shrink, but my cleaner is very good. Hey, I hear you. And he, he, he gestures to his own sleeves, which are way too short. If only we could somehow trade our sleeves, friend. <laughs> yeah, if we lived in a fantasy world. But we don't. We live in the grim real world. Hell, I just saw an orc get killed. He was dressed a little like you. Shame. What do you want? Looking for any newcomers down on the docks. Anyone who, uh, I don't know, looks like they need a dad? Anyone who looks like they... Yeah, you see, I've been, uh... What a, just an insane way to put it. I mean, the newcomers thing, I can roll with that. Everyone's a newcomer at the docks at the, for the most part. Listen to me. He's gonna grab you by the collar and pull you close. Oh, my collar! Listen, I've been thinking a lot about my wayward son and how I never got a chance to set things right. So I just came down to the docks wondering if there was anyone that, I don't know, fit that description. Someone that wayward was looking son. for a father figure. Yeah, I actually think I might have seen a wayward son come to think of it. But 
I don't know, my ears, my eyes, they ain't as good as they used to be. Maybe if I had a little money to go to the doctor and buy new eyeballs. <laughs> I don't know if I got eyeball money, friend, but maybe I could help you arrange a coat trade. Nah, it could never happen. And Moose begins to walk away. Wait, no, no! And he runs after you. He goes, let's trade coats. Let's trade coats. I'm a tall man. And... And what? And I, oh, and the information. Oh, and the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw a boy, all right. I saw a boy that needs a daddy, but terrible. Where, where would I find this boy? First the coat. Moose takes off the coat. Okay, now they have the right size coats on. And they look good. They look good. They fit so nice. Fashion show, fashion show, (laughs) fashion show. Uh, uh, Moose pops the collar. Oh, I should have thought of that. Stupid, stupid. All right. Well, well, it was nice talk. Oh, yeah, the information. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a there was a little boy needed a daddy, but terrible. He was out here a while ago. In fact, he caught one of the pleasure barges. Not but two, maybe two and a half hours ago. Mm. He's probably out in the middle of the bay right now. If I had to guess, and he points out, and you see a pleasure barge out in the middle of the bay, there's like Mm. pink and purple lights and like pumping music coming from the boat. I would probably guess he's on that one. The only pleasure barge that's left. Branson, are there any docked boats? Yeah, there's a number of docked boats here. There's schooners. There's little rowboats. There's a, a little sailboat. Uh, there's, in fact, there's also a, there's a very large, uh, sort of like pirate shipy kind of boat. There's also a speedboat. Hmm. Interesting. Moose turns back to his new friend and says, if you go back in the alley behind that textile warehouse, my mentor is there and he can teach you how to pop your collar. Are you no fooling? Why would I fool? I mean, you already look so good, but. Yeah, but I can always look better. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The, and he looks at the crates, only half of which have been moved from one part of the dock to the other. He goes, ah, the crates can wait. And he, he runs off down, uh, down to the textile factory. And this one's a diamond. And this one is the instructions for the cards. Oh. And- hey. Hey. Hey, it's the horses. Who's that? It's Moose. Come over here. Did you go shopping again? Dandy? I know where to find our mark. Great! Uh, the dog trots over. There's no way that's Moose. <laughs> Pay attention to what's under the coat. It's the same guy. Okay. If you're going to be bounty hunting, you're going to have to see things beyond how they represent themselves. For example, I may look like a cowboy, but I'm actually also a frogman. I know what you mean. Like how behind closed doors, the mask comes off. Exactamundo. Moose is untying the boat from the dock, and he's like, Listen, friends, I could get this bounty all by myself, or you could come. Uh, the dog has already jumped into the water and is paddling around the boat. Neil's staring longingly at the dog's behavior. Joe, could you describe the boat you've picked? If a boat ever made you feel like you should smuggle cigarettes... This is the boat. <laughs> Joe, every boat makes me feel like that. No, no, but this boat, Yay! it's like, it's all bow. And there's just Joe, a little... Com- waking up in the morning makes me feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a speedboat. He picked the speedboat. Oh, fuck yeah. I was hoping. <laughs> Come on. Moose. Moose is picking the speedboat, baby. 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a, a stark white speedboat uh, with the, it's got this sort of like squiggly teal and purple uh, decals on the side of it. Oh, this thing looks built to move. Jonathan Large clops his way inside and plops his little booty right down in the aft of the boat, ready to go. Neil gingerly steps in as well. Neil, you feel the boat like really when it takes your weight. It's like, oh boy, you are made of stone. You're you're acutely aware of how deep those waters are. And so tempting too. Tommy leaps over the boat and then midway right on the very uh, top of the boat, right right over it, he uh, then shoots out of his cowboy costume and the cowboy costume still lingers in the air as he naked dives in the water doing a flip, spinning on the other side of the boat until he dives back up into the costume, landing back onto the speedboat. For a second, you all saw him naked, you little freaks. Well, no, no, hold on, no, hold on. I want to. Two things are true here. You need to make a dexterity roll, and you fucking perverts, you saw someone naked. If someone gets naked in front of you and you see it, you're in the wrong. Exacto. Mundo. <laughs> Critical fail. Critical fail. Okay, you get great. stuck in the propellers. <laughs> Yeah, Tommy, you jump up into the air, um, and for reasons unclear to you, you just become naked and you fall on your face right into the, the boat. And you, gently, all of your cowboy clothes just like settle on top of you, and everyone sees your butt. <laughs> but not for long, because in that moment, Moose hits the gas, and the boat goes flying <laughs> off, leaving the clothes behind. <laughs> Yay! He's naked all episode. <laughs> leaving all the clothes, um, except he reaches and can only grab his 10-gallon hat and his holster with his pistol. Oh, great. So you look like a cowboy stripper, Graham. <laughs> Some kind yeah. of naked cowboy. Hun grabs the rest of your clothes uh, from the water and, and waits at the dock. Uh, safely. We don't have to worry about Hun as the boat speeds off. But as you speed off, suddenly you come to a, a horrible halt. And uh, Moose, the boat was anchored. The, 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 the boat is slammed on its own brakes. You are connected to an anchor. You see a note attached to the anchor as it, it pulls the boat and you hear the engine revving and you're not getting any, any closer. And there's a little note tied to the anchor and it says, oh no. It says, Good luck, assholes, courtesy of the Suck Brothers. No! No! Um, Edgica is still in the water with her dog, um, and she says, I'll handle this. And she's coaching the dog to get towards the anchor. She's like, yeah, but the shiny thing, the shiny, yes, go for, go for the shine. The dog swims over, and for the first time, we see that Edgica is no mere possessed blade she also has magical powers and she is going to use them to heat the metal of her blade and slice through the chain of the anchor it's an anchor chain and you're cutting you're hot it's it wouldn't work if you weren't heated up in like boiling water all around you the bubbles are rising up there's a glow coming from the blade as you begin sawing into it over and over and over again it's taking a second the first part of it it snaps you're getting there you're getting there you're doing it and finally finally you get through it amazing um the dog's gonna go thank 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 and and like climb onto the deck of the boat just before it takes off 
great. Uh, just by the uh, the skin of your teeth, you make it out of the boat. The boat is the the engine had never been turned off, and it just takes off. Finally, and you are sailing uh, through the through Piss Harbor down the bay into. Uh, uh, into into darker and, and char- choppier waters as you're getting closer and closer to this party boat. Moose is going to um, like fish under the wheel and pull out like a compartment that says um, "property of Terry surgery" on it, and he's going to open it up. And inside, there's a there's a change of clothes, and he's going <laughs> to toss it to Tommy Whistle and say, "Here you go, bud." Nah, I follow the rules. I lost my clothes through my own misdeeds, and I must stand in holy nakedness as the Lord intended because of what I've done. Tell me, what do you think is the is the is the worst rule to break? Uh, not borrowing someone's clothes or public indecency. There ain't nothing. There ain't nothing decent about Piss Harbor. I'm just along with the crowd on this one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim is just invincibly naked. No one can talk him <laughs> off this ledge. It's kind of, I mean, it's a better design than just having him in a cowboy suit. So Tim, I like am not scolding you. If ever big, I have been on your it's side. It's a better design. <laughs> it is. A naked frogman with a holster and a 10-gallon hat? That's what I needed to do this whole time. I respect it, says Neil. And you look at Neil and realize Neil is also basically naked, except she did find a life jacket. <laughs> There's a drone shot just sort of circling the boat as cool music plays as you tear off through the night towards this uh, this party barge. You're getting closer and closer. Moose, you have the steering wheel. What do you do? How close am I? You're uh, closer by the second. In fact, okay. you're going too fast now. It looks like there's going to be an impact if you don't move quick. I cut the engines and 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 do like a you know do like an Akira slide up to the edge of the party barge. Uh, make a charisma roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a 23. A 23? Yeah. You do it. There's even, like, the trailing taillights. Like, it's real, like, super <laughs> Akira style. You put your foot out, and it's, like, on the water. <laughs> uh, you really do. You pull up right alongside uh, the party boat. There's uh, there's loud, there's, there's, there's raucous music coming from inside. There's uh, searchlights looking all around. There's, uh, there's pink purple neon green lights coming from inside the boat. This is a large boat. This is a, uh, this is very big. This looks like it could eat comfortably. This is like a, uh, this is a medium large yacht is what I would okay. describe it. It's, it's very, uh, it's very modern, very white, uh, in, in its exteriors, uh, very pristine, clean looking, uh, yacht, a lot of loud music coming from inside. You're uh, you're around the edge of it now, and you can see there's there's partiers just sort of like grinding on each other to the uh, to the beautiful '70s rock. Is there like is there like a, a porthole cracked open or a rope ladder that we could climb up or some kind of way there into is the a, boat? There is there is like sort of no sort of that. It, there is like maybe a ladder, but it's already extended up. I don't know how you guys are going to get up onto this boat. Tommy Whistle opens his mouth, and into his hand falls a perfectly wrapped tongue in the style of the cable from a music producer. Uh, Every time. It's, it's his lasso. He he lassos up the end of it and starts spinning, 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 and throws his tongue out into the nearest uh, 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 thing that it could be wrapped around on top of the boat. Um, okay, yeah, that's that's one of the party goers. Uh, so you you grab one of the party goers and you pull 
on your tongue, and they're pulled to the edge of the rail. They go, whoa, and they're pulled up against the edge of it. Uh, but you have you have purchase. Quickly, everyone, climb up my tongue. Tommy, I swear to God, I hate it every time you do this. This is a terrible thing that you do. Hey, if you want, you can clip-clop up the tongue with your nimble hooves. If you don't want to use your upper body strength. Because, right, you don't have enough upper body strength to climb up my tongue. Is that what you're saying, The party-goer that you're attached to uh, from up above says, I'm dying! (laughs) How dare you challenge the strength of my torso, shoulders, and arms! Jonathan Large regretfully goes hand over hand, climbing Tommy's slick tongue. It's slippery, but you are, you, you've done this before. You said you hated it, which means you've done it, but you know, you already had an opinion. You know how to do this. You're grabbing the taste buds and you're, you're climbing up this tongue uh, correctly. You get up there easily. Everyone else, can you uh, make very quick strength rolls for me? Uh, I got an 18, and I'm going to say Neil was the stabilizing factor on at least one grappling hook uh, in her day, and so she sort of had studied the method and knew quickly how to move up that rope. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. Joe, what are we looking at? We're looking at, a, we're looking at a healthy seven. A healthy seven. You really struggle. You have been Ooh. very cool. You've been a real ace this entire episode. You look like shit climbing up <laughs> that tongue. <laughs> no, oh, oh, I haven't held a tongue like this since... Earlier tonight. Oh, oh, oh. Um, this guy fucks. <laughs> I got a critical fail. Uh, Edgica, the dog, it's still a little up. It's, it's, it's still very, it was a whole bag, a whole purse full of cocaine. It's up. It's going to be up for days, in fact. The dog just like, yep, yep, yep. It like runs up the tongue easily, <laughs> leaving you back down on the ground. Tommy, it's just you... And Ejika the sword back on the boat now. What are you going to do, Tommy? Shit! Ah, oh, damn. Not again. He reaches down and picks up. He said, Miss Madness, I'll hold you for as long as I can, but please let me keep my sense of self. Without me understanding who I am, I wouldn't know what I would do. And then my actions wouldn't be in correspondence with my morals. But and that Tommy, would be my... Yes. Tommy, it doesn't... It doesn't matter. The moment your hand wraps around the grip of Ejika, you start to, it feels like your brain is boiling. Your brain feels like maple syrup being churned in a cauldron. It's disgusting. You feel that, you feel like your sanity is actually dripping out of your head. Like when someone puts an egg on your head and it drips down. That's what your fucking sanity feels like. You gotta get out of there, bro. Ma'am, you're driving me insane. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot, this is crazy. (laughs) Oh, shucks. One thing you all haven't been noticing is that his now naked feet have been sticking uh, suction cu- suction cups on each uh, each each uh, finger, each appendage. They've been sticking to the boat, and now he lets them go. And he uh, and holding the sword, he flies back towards where his tongue was grabbed. As the tongue goes back into his mouth, uh, uh, like a yo-yo returning to its hand from which it was birthed. Great, yeah, the tongue unwraps around the person who it was, uh, the, the ledge, 
that it had been using. This person, long dead. A, I'm sorry, a centaur and a gargoyle were pulling up. They're dead. Absolutely just massive internal bleeding, long dead at this point. It unwraps from them and their body slumps over the edge and falls into the water. Uh, but you make it up. But now, Tommy, you're still clutching a sword that's driving you clinically insane. Uh, 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 he throws the sword in front of him on the ground. Oof! Uh, uh, my brain. My brain. My only brain. Tommy, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Uh, a five. A five? Yeah. Tommy, you did not come back right. <laughs> oh. Something is wrong. For the next uh, for the next 20 minutes, Tommy, you don't know where you are. You don't know friend from foe. Things are... You have been rocked by touching this sword. Damn. Why am I clothed by hat and holster? Why am I wearing these strange things upon my body? I'm a frog man. I'm on a boat. I should be on a lily pad. Get it together, man. Neil's going to kind of look back and then do the come on, guys motion over her shoulder. Oh, my God, that stone can move. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 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 look who's bounty hunting. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get in there. You walk in to the interior cabin and you see an enormous Saturday Saturday Night Fever dance floor inside. There are colored squares on the ground. There is loud disco music pumping in here and in the middle there are people everywhere just grinding on each other they are uh they're rolling their hands they're doing disco poses people with flared pants uh people with long hair people there are you know with their um disco shirts and their shirts tied up they're sweat they're pounding it is it's aggressive in here there's a lot of young people just like dancing and moving and in the center of the dance floor you see five people doing a choreographed dance. It's four large, muscular goons, and you see him. You see Daddy Boy at the front of the Flying V doing a choreographed dance with all of his goons. He moves like water. He dances beautifully. He hits every keyframe pose, and he moves, he glides from one to the other. It's as if the music is being written as he dances. It's beautiful. My God. I always appreciated the physical body that can be one with music. And now, here it is in front of us. A flower that we have to burn. Jonathan, while you are musing, uh, you feel something hit the side of you. And you hear a a record scratch and the music stops. And you see that Daddy's Boy has bumped into you. Daddy's boy. He, everyone goes completely silent. He goes, what in the hell has happened here? Oh, who, has, who has thrown off my dancing? <laughs> I was admiring what you were doing on the dance floor, and I just had to say that I think you and I might give these people a show. No, no, I, nine, I've heard enough for out of you. You have thrown off my dance. Goons, goons. And he snaps. He says, goons, break every man, break every bone in this man's body. 
Uh, goons, goons, listen to me. Jonathan, one of the goons, an enormous orc. He is, uh, he's very tall, very wide. He is just charging forward at you. He looks like he's going to try to, like, run through you. This is a big, big man coming at you fast. Jonathan Large instinctually throws out a punch the way that you have to, like, punch the clutch in your car. And seeing Jonathan for the obvious strength that he has and the punches he would very likely throw, Neil dives right behind the feet of the guy charging for him uh, and stays there like a if you push someone over and someone's behind them. Yeah, we were all assholes when we were young. We know that. Yeah, yeah, yes, I know exactly the move. I've done this to people. I've had it done to me. It's, I've been in every position of this threesome before. Yes, I know. Uh, so you get right behind him. Jonathan, you punch. Uh, can you make an attack roll with advantage for me? I'm so glad I have advantage because Jonathan Large's player rolled a one on the first roll and then rolled a three. Okay, that's pretty bad. It could have gone a lot worse. Um, you, uh, so you go to punch this guy. This guy is big, though. You're big. He's big, too. This ain't but the troll from the opening. Well, well, you know, he's also big. He's charging at you, and uh, you punch him. You do hit him in the face. You do hurt this guy. It doesn't feel good, but he has large lower tusks, and you cut your hand bad. You get a deep gash on your hand as you punch this guy. He uh, throws his head back. He is not pushed uh, forward, and he bellows. He makes a sound like Godzilla. <laughs> and uh, he's going to take a swing at you, Jonathan gonna hit you ah! he hits you hard and you feel a massive fist come your way you've been on the other end of this punch a million times it doesn't feel so good this gives you a newfound appreciation for all the people you've destroyed in fights uh, as it hits the side of your head and that hurts bad and it knocks you over Oof. meanwhile as daddy's boy is watching this fracas begin to unfold he feels a tapping on his shoulder he turns around and sees a suave looking dwarf in a suit that looks almost like it's been uh, hastily cut from a from a big peacoat. <laughs> Who is that tapping at my shoulder? Who are you? <clears throat> I'm trying to watch my goons destroy a man. Forgive me. I couldn't help but seeing you out on that dance floor. I don't think we've been introduced, but I'm Sammy Steps, one of the biggest dance agents in all of Ruleshaven. <laughs> I've never heard of you, and therefore you are nobody. I am Gunther von Hamstring, Daddy's boy. Everyone's heard of me. Well, maybe you've heard of some of the people I've discovered, like... Angela? <laughs> Make a charisma roll. <laughs> Angela. Uh, 21. 21? Okay, <laughs> Angela by Bob James. The theme from Taxi begins playing. Uh, the, the DJ has just like grabbed, tried to grab another record to put on. And we hear Angela by Bob James playing. He goes, Angela, you know, Angela, my first crush. Yeah. I discovered her baby. The biggest dancer in all of Ruleshaven. <gasps> you are so old. <laughs> yes, but, uh, I've still got an eye for talent friend. I had no idea. Well, you must, you must know I am, I am the most talented dancer on this entire boat. I can see it, buddy. I can see it. I think you've got it. I think you've got it. Okay? Yes, this is what I tell all of my friends. Now, what if we step out onto the deck and discuss some possible deal terms? 
Sure, sure. Won't you excuse me while I watch my goons destroy this man? I want to see the blood come from his skull as he dies. Oh, we don't have to worry about that. Come on, I got other... I got I got a busy night. I got a lot of dancers to see. Oh, my agent friend, you must stop and smell the roses. The little things in life, they are what make it worth living. To see your enemies killed in front of you by your henchmen who cannot sink. Large men, but small brains. And smooth. The brains are so smooth. Moose grabs him by the collar and pulls him close. My collar! He's, he's making intense eye contact and he says, Listen, friend, opportunities like this don't come along every so often. I see a lot of people every day. And I've seen you now, but I could forget you in a moment. Do you want to step outside or not? This could be your entire future. Make another charisma roll. That is a 19. A 19? Yeah. His eyes narrow. He darts back and forth and they go wide again. He goes, please, please, make me a star. On the other side of the room, um, there is a keg. And outside the nozzle of the keg, you can see the head of Tommy Whistle. He looks around, his eyes wheeling. I'm home again, Mommy. Did you make it, brother? Or am I still an only child? His head then zooms back up inside of the keg. He was inside of the keg? <laughs> yeah, and his head was popped out of the nozzle. He's gone crazy, you see. <laughs> of course. Neil, kneeled behind the goon um, who's attacking Jonathan Large, just grabs for the goon's Achilles heels and just rips them out of his legs. Oh, oh my god! Uh, yeah. That's their weak spot. Make an attack roll with advantage. That's everyone's weak spot. <laughs> oh, I got an 18, so I got uh, 21! 21! Out they come! The cl- Just like a perfectly, like a textbook, like a medical textbook, like a Grey's Anatomy drawing of an Achilles tendon. You pull those out as the, the orc bellows and goes, Ah, oh, my Achilles tendons! And he falls over backwards. Just, oh, 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 ow, oh, 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 ow, 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 ow. He's prone. Gotcha. She stands up and goes up for a high five with Jonathan Large. Oh, that's gotta be worth far more than these. Hands, man. As he like holds up two big hands, uh-huh. and he he rears up on his back hooves, and he offers up his front hooves along with his hands. It's a fucking quadruple five. A hell yeah! Neil jumps up and like a starfish, he hits each one of his uh. Pro-offered limbs. <laughs> hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me! There are still three goons moving for Jonathan Large. You are all but surrounded by goons. There is one goon down on the ground in a lot of pain. And now, uh, Neil, they've also clocked you. So they've got two. It's three of them versus two of you. Tommy Whistle, you're inside of a keg. and uh, But we are going to follow now. We're going to follow Moose and Ejika as they, they move out onto the, uh, the outer deck of the yacht and uh, and daddy's boy looks back at you and says what do I have to do to become a star Moose looks out over the harbor over the twinkling lights of Piss Harbor in the distance and he says is my Nansa back there in the city (laughs) metaphorically friend it is see oh if you play your cards right why that city could be yours mine Yes, baby, you could rule this town with dance. And as he's saying this, Moose is pulling a thin strip of peacoat wool out from the pocket. And he takes it, 
and he grabs the hands of Daddy's boy and ties him up. <gasps> kinky! <laughs> yes, the world of dance is very kinky. Yes, and, uh, and, and, uh, more, there's more where this came from. Ha ha! Oh, bad boy! <laughs> he tra- yes. he cla- his hands are just like tied together at the wrist, and he try he claps as best he can, like a little seal. Why don't we head over to my private yacht, and you can meet some of uh, some of my celebrity friends? Wait a second! This is feeling an awful lot about the strategy I use when I try to kill somebody, make them disappear. No, no, friend, friend, no, not at all. And we cut back now to the inside. Um, there are three large orcs. Uh, they are surrounding uh, Neil and Jonathan. What are you guys going to do? Hey, Jonathan. Yeah, Neil. Do you like oatmeal? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I suggest you start to like it, because these guys are about to be mush. And she jumps at one of them and knocks him down. Oh! Nice. Yeah, you knock him over. And that's a stone. Uh, that's a stone gargoyle on him. You, his head explodes. <laughs> Hell yeah! Jonathan Large heaves up his seventy-five pound spiked flail mace and starts swinging it and swinging it and swinging it and unleashes it. You let it go, and it goes flying towards one of the orcs. Make an attack roll on that orc. Ten! Ten! It hits him! Uh, it doesn't explode his head, but it hits him in the... And it, like, caves in part of his skull. He flexes, um, and his skull returns to normal shape, and the mace flies out of the front of it, and he points at you and says, You, motherfucker! And he's gonna... He's... Boom! 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 He walks over to you, and just as he does, he walks past the keg that Tommy Whistle is inside of. And as he walks past the keg, he feels the sunny sting on his forehead, and then another on his rib, and then another on his toe. Bullets? Violet firing out of the keg in all different directions. As the bullets fall out, uh, the beer pours out of the empty spots until the top pops off, and out jumps a now sane Tommy Whistle. <laughs> Damn, I didn't want any of that beer down my throat. Then I wouldn't have been able to drive my roadrunner. By not drinking the beer, I've become sane. Sane enough to know that you're in my way. And he puts the pistol right in the side of the head of that goon. Now don't you move, or you're going to have to meet my little friend. Uh, the orc just turns, and he puts a finger to the bullet of your gun like uh, Bugs Buddy. Now, now, now. If you do that, the gun will explode in my face, and no one wants that. I do. <laughs> All right, have it your way. He lifts up his hands as a as a you got me. As the pistol stays around the the guy's fingers, he then opens his mouth again, and his tongue is not lassoed up this time. Now it's just a tongue, and it goes right into that guy's uh, eyes. so he's got the gun is just like stuck it's like stuck around his finger now okay he's penetrating now i'm getting a visual picture of this and now his eyes are gone you've shot your tongue into his eyes yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah and like two flies he eats his eyes he screams he goes oh my eyes 
My eyes! Oh, no! What the fuck? There's just blood pouring out of the holes uh, in his skull. He goes, no, no, no! He's got a, a gun on his finger. He's just like, like, yipe, 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 yipe! It's, it's pinching his finger now, and he falls to his knees. And at that, you hear a commotion as a door opens, and you see them walk out. It's the Suck Brothers. <laughs> oh, no. You recognize them. They're human bounty hunters. Vincent Suck, the tallest one. Bella Suck and Boris Suck, the twins. Lon Suck, the baby of the group. And Gengar Suck, a ghost. <laughs> wow. Neil doesn't recognize them because she's as yet um, unfamiliar with the bounty hunter world. So she's she's looking at Tommy and she goes to the goon that he'd attacked and rips his kidneys out as she's struggling with her own convictions, <laughs> thinking, Tommy resisted temptation and was saved. Uh, the, the goon is just screaming, ah, oh, my kidneys, my kidneys, oh, my God, how will I, oh, my, my piss is going to be so painful for the rest of my life. Oh, this is <laughs> such a painful, oh, my God, oh, my God. And meanwhile, the Suck Brothers, they're all pointing. They look uh, out. They can't find uh, Daddy's Boy anywhere. They look for Daddy's Boy. They look at Tommy Whistle, and one of them pulls out, uh, Vincent Suck pulls out a scroll with uh, Tommy Whistle's bounty, which is already on it. They shrug as if to say good enough, and they all run towards Tommy. Oh! Tommy Whistle grabs the gun off of the goon's finger, sees the brothers running towards him, and does what he's always wanted to do. Well, he jumps. <laughs> Great, yeah, you jump up in the air, and they run right past you. They, they screech to a halt, and they look around as if to say, which way did he go? They're scratching the tops of their heads. And that's when he falls back on their heads, pistol in hand. Great, yeah, you fall on their heads. You fall right through Gengar suck, but the rest of them, you knock them over. They should call you the Pin Brothers, because you just got bowled over like pin, like pin, like, like pins. <laughs> Neil liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daddy's boy, just right this way, my friend. And then uh, Moose just is going to push him over. He's just going to push him overboard into the speedboat below. Ah, yeah. He lands on the speedboat. I landed on my shoulders. <laughs> and then Moose goes and he, he, with his fingers, just taps a little spot in the back of his head twice you got moonlight yeah could you let the rest of the crew know that i have the target we're good to we're good to go will do all of you feel a little uh voice in the we're all the various parts of the boat that you're at tommy you are on top of the suck brothers uh edgica you are with uh, uh you are with moose you hear this jonathan and neil you are there's one orc left um, and you guys are squaring off with him, and you all hear at the same time a voice in the back of your head say, The target has been acquired. Return to the headquarters now to collect your money. Now that's a feeling. Sorry, this would be fun, but we gotta go. And Neil just disengages and walks away. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a fight, and I don't back down. Let's go. Come on, hit me now. The orc nods. He loves this. He, like, respects you more for doing that. He flexes and he cracks his knuckles. He says, prepare to die, bitch. And he's going to, he winds up. He really, really winds up and makes a meal of it. He swings. He goes right for your head. He misses. And his his uh, his fist lands harmlessly on your shoulder. He looks at his fist and he looks at you and he goes, what the frick? 
Jonathan gives him a little kiss on the cheek. He backs up. He goes, no, no, no. Yes. You and I are men of violence. But we have to be men of the world, too. Take this moment and remember everything can be good if you're good. Whatever that means to you. And he, and he, uh, and he gallops away. He falls to his knees and he, he the camera like spirals up away from him. And he goes, no, no. Every goon's dream is to die in battle. That was humiliating. Tommy, you're the only one. Everyone's uh, heading back to the speedboat. You've got the Suck Brothers. They've all been knocked over, except for Gengar Suck, who uh, he's just sort of grabbing at you, but he's corporeal and he can't really get anything. He goes, ah, rats. I'm the Suck Brother that can't touch nothing. That's right. Hey, Gengar. I'll see you back at the saloon. Yeah, he tips his ghost cowboy hat to you. See you there. I'll tip in the, I, and I tip as well. Uh, he then hops from uh, knocked over suck brother to knocked over suck brother until he gets outside the boat where he leaps into the air and falls onto that boat, baby. We cut now to the boat. Cool music blares as you ride that boat out. The sun is just beginning to crest. It's dawn, the early, earliest whispers of dawn in Piss Harbor as you guys ride back all the way to headquarters. We see you now, we cut now to headquarters as uh, 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 Mrs. Moonlight is handing you guys a large novelty check. (laughs) (laughs) Great job, team. You hunted that bounty. Thank you, Miss Moonlight. You know, I've always wondered why do each of you do this? What will each of you do with your cut of the money? But you know, we've never told each other before. I guess we might as well not start now. I take a little bit of it and I buy myself the finest cut of chicken I can get. Yum. But what I do with most of it is give back to the community. There are so many children in this town who are so wretched, so poor, so sad. Ah, flip them quarters. <laughs> and they love it. There's a freeze frame on Jonathan Large, and text below him reads, Jonathan Large, later that day, ate a delicious chicken dinner, and the orphans of the town were for years flipping quarters. Well, believe it or not, Tommy, but, uh... There are other places, other folks out there that don't take so kindly to old Moose. I've got a few bounties on my own head that I need to pay off. There's a freeze frame on Moose, as it said, he paid off most of his bounties. There just were so many, though, he is not done. And me? I've never felt the feeling of money before. I've never owned any. Never thought of what to buy. Maybe I'll save it. There's a freeze frame on Neil. Uh, it said, Neil put her money into a, a, a high interest savings account. <laughs> and how about you, Edgica? What are you going to do with that money? If I know Edgica, it's probably buy more cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> There's a freeze frame on Edgica as it says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess that leaves me. And the thing I'm using this money for is, uh, you'll probably all find out next time on Rude Tales of Magic. <laughs> There's a freeze frame on Tommy. It said Tommy was arrested later that day for public indecency. 
That was Ali Fisher as Neil, Carly Minardo as Edgica, Christopher Hastings as Jonathan Large, Joe Lepore as Moose, Tim Platt as Tommy Whistle, and Branson Reese as everything and everyone else. Rude Tales of Magic is produced by Bucket of Milk. Edited, sound designed, and scored by Kodiak Sanders. With additional sound design from Michael Galfi. As always, special thanks to Tyler Button and Sydney and Benjamin Paul. And our big freak, Christina Lopez. All right, that's it for this episode of Rude Tales of Magic. See you in two weeks, fools. Oh, you're not fools. Some of you are smart. You're listening to Root Tales of Magic, aren't you? Well, not anymore. The episode's over. Good night. That was a HeadGum Podcast.